Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have our first edition of the Bean Report. And up first in today's country comment, we'll be joined by Manitoba Agriculture Cereal Specialist Ann Kirk. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Ann Kirk, a cereal specialist with Manitoba Agriculture, to talk about spring seeding. Seeding, well, the last few years has been pretty early, as people remember. So, um, you know, by this time last year, we had a significant number of acres seeded uh, as of May 1st. So in the last couple of years, when it's dry, people have been seeding. Uh, the last week of April has been fairly common. Um, generally, we are seeing quite a bit of seeding done by, say, the second week of May. Uh, so we are, you know, delayed in terms of uh, normal years or in terms of what we've seen the last few years. And we definitely know that, you know, the yield potential for most cereal crops is higher uh, with earlier seeding dates. Just any concern, you know, as things get pushed back here come harvest or we still have still have uh, some time, uh, you know, a bit of a window here? Yeah, we still have a bit of a window. Uh, there's, yeah, like I said, there's a concern because of uh, lower yield potential with, with later seeding dates. So using like mask seeded acreage report and harvest production report data, we do look at yield potential with, you know, with each seeding date going um, later into May and June. So we do know that for most uh, spring cereal crops, they have the highest yield potential planted the first week of May. And as you, um, you know, go into the second and third week of May, we do see lower yield potential. So, you know, depending on the crop, anywhere from, you know, say 80% of the yield potential, if you're planting the third week of May versus the first week of May. And, and just talk a little bit about um, soil conditions. Yeah, so most, like many areas of the province are still, you know, quite wet and it's been so cool. So we haven't had a lot of chance for fields to dry out and culverts even open up and drain some of that water away. So, uh, you know, with some warmer temperature that we're expecting at the end of the week, we should start to see quite a bit of drying. And, um, you know, I'm not sure what the current soil temperatures are, but the Manitoba Agriculture Weather Stations that are positioned around the province, those do report real time. Uh, soil temperatures so people can check those out if they're interested or you know go to their own fields and check their soil temperatures. How's the um, winter wheat crop uh, doing? You know I think it's doing fairly well we had in, in terms of the the season like so uh, throughout the winter we did have see good snow cover throughout the province and we based on uh, the soil monitoring that we do for to assess uh, winter wheat we didn't see we, I don't, wouldn't be expecting any, like, winter kill days throughout the winter. There, you know, I think some people were concerned because in the last few weeks we did have some fairly cold overnight temperatures. I think there was a minus 20 a few weeks ago. And um, winter cereals, like winter wheat and fall rye, are most winter hardy early on in the season. So, you know, in December they're more winter hardy than they are in, in March or April. So because they're coming out of dormancy, there was some concern. But we didn't have a lot of warm temperatures before we had those cool temperatures. So... The uh, winter crops that I've seen are looking good and do have some uh, new roots coming. So with those warm temperatures uh, coming up, we should start to see some new top growth as well. That was Ann Kirk, cereal specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Yesterday, Canada's federal, provincial and territorial ministers of agriculture met to discuss key areas of interest for Canada's agriculture sector. The meeting was a precursor in the lead up to the annual conference in July. Areas discussed included progress on the next agricultural policy framework, the successor to the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, which expires March 31st of 2023. 
Ministers also spoke about ongoing concerns around global food supplies, food security, and the supply of essential inputs, including fertilizers. African swine fever and avian influenza were also discussed. Ministers will next meet in July at their 2022 annual conference in Saskatoon. With May upon us, farmers will be focusing on getting the crop into the ground. Laura Schmidt is with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Seed peas early if possible. So peas tolerate cold temperatures really well. So if you can get out there, start seeding when soils warm up to 5 degrees at depth if the field is travelable. According to long-term crop insurance data, pea yields do drop off to about 80% relative yield if seeding in the third week of May or later. So delayed pea seeding just means that that crop's going to flower during the heat of summer. So that'll result in the loss of flowers and impact yield. She notes, on the other hand, seeding dates for soybeans in Manitoba are quite flexible. And after two successful years, Direct Farm Manitoba fears that the Manitoba Community Food Currency Program will fail to continue for the 2022 farmers market season. The program provides community food coupons to participants to spend directly on Manitoba farm products at their local farmers market. Here's Executive Director Christy Bainin. We haven't received the funding we need to be able to run the program this year, and that's uh, very unfortunate. The surveys that we received from the participants from the end of last year's program were overwhelmingly very positive, and we had a 98.5% redemption rate on the distributed currency. So that was almost $60,000 of um, vouchers that were handed out and then spent by participants at the farmer's market. So if we don't um, receive the funding we need, unfortunately, we won't be able to run the program this year. And Direct Farm Manitoba says direct provincial investment in the Manitoba Community Food Currency Program would allow it to both expand into new neighbourhoods and better meet community demand. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, May 3rd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen-Bossler chats with the president and co-founder of Mojo Autonomous Solutions. Under CAP's AgriScience program, the federal government is investing $419,000 towards digitization in farming. Receiving the funding is Mojo Autonomous Solutions. Mojo's co-founder and president, Owen Kinch, talked with Glenda Lee Allen-Vossler about their work in developing an artificial intelligence data recording kit. Owen, tell us a little bit about Mojo Autonomous Solutions. Mojo is a digital egg technology company based out of Edmonton, Alberta. And our mission is to streamline on-farm operations through innovative digital technologies, AI, and robotics. And you also have a location in Saskatchewan as well? Yes, our corporate headquarters is in White City, Saskatchewan. We incorporated in February of 2020 and started shortly after that. Can you explain to us a little bit more about what you're working on, where you're going? Mojo is currently developing iBox. iBox is a small, rugged, and economical sensor suite. It contains multiple cameras as well as a GPS, combined with a powerful computer for real-time processing of collected data. So when farm machinery is on operation, iBox is mounted to the farm machinery and it automatically collects images captured by the cameras and passes them through a deep neural network that classifies each pixel to create a digital twin representation of the entire farming entity. So the digital twin then serves as as a real-time digital counterpart of a physical object or 
or attributes within a within a farm. So, yeah, digital twins they contain a whole bunch of information about things like field boundaries, roads, field entrances, or you know, really anything of interest to farmers. It's uh, the digital twin is what computers use to understand their their operating environments. So how do you see this being used in the farm technology uh, as opposed to, you know, the auto seer, that sort of thing that's already out there? Uh, well, the, the digital twin that we're creating, um, that iBox creates, it's, uh, well, iBox creates and updates it in real time. And what that digital twin then becomes is the foundation for Mojo's autonomous navigation controller. So we're developing uh, an autonomous navigation controller for to be used uh, in agriculture. So the continuous intake of real-time image data from the peripherals of, of a tractor, for example, it allows the Mojo navigation controller to, to attain a high level of relative position accuracy between, between the tractor and any other physical object encountered within its working environment so it allows the mojo navigation controller to really what it does is it reacts to a changing work environment much like human operators do today while they're in the cab so do you have the navigation system already developed or is that something you're still in the process of working on it's in its early stages of development uh, last year, we autonomously heavy harrowed just over a thousand acres of land, and our goals for the 2022 growing season is we wanna we wanna autonomously apply over 10,000 acres of of implement uh, implement action to farmers' fields. You received four hundred nineteen thousand dollars from the federal government to continue in this development then? Yes. Uh, yeah, the the support uh, it's used, it's gonna be used to help develop develop our technologies uh, for strengthening and improving the efficiency of the Canadian agriculture sector. Farmers, broad acre farmers more specifically. How close are we then to actually seeing this on the market for you? Well, right now we have our first uh, our first autonomous tractor prototype. It's currently at Lakeland College in Vermilion, Alberta. They operate a 1,200-acre student-managed farm, and they're helping facilitate the development, testing, and validation of our autonomous tractor prototype. And yeah, we've been working with them for some time now, and it's it's been a really a really great relationship. Uh, the Lakeland College, it's less than a two-hour drive from our main software development office in Edmonton, Alberta. And we're working towards the goal of demonstrating our technologies that we're developing at Ag in Motion in July of 2022. What kind of a difference does it make for a company such as yours, a, a startup company? You've only been in operation a, a, a while here. What kind of a difference does it make to have access to this kind of funding? I probably won't be able to put it into words very well. Like, it's uh, it's just uh, such a positive impact. 
for a company like ours that's small and you know just just in the early stages of ramping up and it's yeah it just makes such a positive difference and allows us to to move so much quicker and yeah i guess uh agriscience they've just been uh tremendous to work with and uh, i just can't say enough good things about the entire process for producers that are listening to us today wondering just what kind of an impact this will make in their own operation how do you see it fitting in well i think one of the one of the greatest challenges facing farmers today is the availability of skilled labor to execute time-sensitive operations that impact farming outcomes. And autonomy offers a, a safe and productive alternative to address that challenge head-on. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're gonna we're gonna push development hard and fast and bring it to market swiftly so that we can make positive change within the agriculture sector. So will producers have to have a, a, a separate implement or is this something that you see being retrofitted onto the equipment that exists out there today? Uh, right now it's being developed as a kit that can be applied to any any uh, piece of agricultural equipment and uh, specifically broad acre applications. So um, yeah, we're actively seeking OEM partners and uh, but right now uh, it's uh, being developed as a, as a kit. That's Owen Kinch, co-founder and president of Mojo Autonomous Solutions. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. A workshop entitled Start Your Grazing Plan will take place May 5th at the Ericsdale Community Centre. You can register on the Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiative website. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has established an e-commerce resource hub where Canadian agri-food companies can access resources to take advantage of global opportunities to sell products online. The sessions begin May 4th and conclude June 6th. Each week covers a different topic. You can register on the Manitoba Agriculture website. And the 2022 Spring Farmers Market Coordinator Gathering is planned for May 13th in Winnipeg. The gathering will include workshops, lunch, solution mill, as well as time to connect with fellow coordinators. Get all the details with Direct Farm Manitoba. It's time now for the Bean Report, brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Joining us today is production specialist Laura Schmidt. It's really nice that we've got some moisture to work with this year, but it will be a little while before we're able to start seeding in full force. Something to keep in mind is that soybeans tolerate excess moisture well, But since we've had more acres spotted for peas, it is important to remember that peas do not tolerate wet feet or waterlogged soils. And since they do thrive in relatively dry soils, field selection is going to be really important this year for peas. If possible, choose well-drained, coarse-textured soils. And Laura, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, nitrogen carryover from uh, from last year. Um, Talk a bit about what that means. We were left with soils testing high in residual nitrates from last fall. This year, consider retesting soils this spring just to get a more accurate read now that we've had some moisture. 
the optimum soil test range for soybeans and peas is less than 50 pounds of nitrogen per acre. They may be grown on fields with higher end, but it will generally reduce or delay nodulation, maturity, and contribute to IDC. Research does suggest that soybeans grown on fields with a history of soybeans may be able to tolerate this better and maintain nodulation, just since that rhizobia population has been built up in the soil over time. But if you're seeding into soils with greater end levels, select a variety that's tolerant to IDC and consider a double inoculation strategy so that if your nodulation is delayed, the rhizobia that is there and forming those nodules will be the most effective at fixing ends. And while we're waiting for things to warm up, remember that your inoculants contain living bacteria. So proper storage is going to be important to maintain their effectiveness. And we're into the uh, first week of May here now. Um, talk a little bit about uh, seeding dates and, you know, any, any concerns there. Seed peas early if possible. So peas tolerate cold temperatures really well. So if you can get out there, start seeding when soils warm up to 5 degrees at depth if the field is travelable. According to long-term crop insurance data, pea yields do drop off to about 80% relative yield if seeding in the third week of May or later. So delayed pea seeding just means that that crop's going to flower during the heat of summer. So that'll result in the loss of flowers and impact yield. Soybeans, on the other hand, it's really comforting to know there that the seeding date's quite flexible in Manitoba. Seeding in the first three weeks of May has been shown to maximize yield, and cold soils will generally delay emergence, so wait to seed until soils there have warmed up to at least 8 degrees. Delaying seeding for soybeans until June has generally reduced yield by about 15% on average, so if seeding soybeans later than usual, do double-check your varieties' days to maturity and that they will mature before your average fall frost date. Laura, any advice when it comes to soybean seed treatments? So we're going into a cooler, wet spring. So a fungicide treatment will generally help protect seedlings as they establish from root rot. But do note that those treatments are only providing protection for about two to three weeks after seeding, not emergence, and that these diseases can occur later in the season. So seed treatments aren't going to be a complete solution. Um, MPSG's on-farm network has hosted 43 trials comparing treated and untreated soybean seed from 2015 to 2019. In these fields, pest pressure wasn't known beforehand. Treatments were kind of just applied as a form of insurance. And in that scenario, seed treatments provided an economic return on investment 19% of the time. So this return was only really seen in 2015 and 2016, which were those cool, wet springs with more moisture than the later years of this study. And since we're only seeing that yield response one-fifth of the time, do think critically about the pest pressure within your field and if a seed treatment is likely to be beneficial. So if you don't have seeds with wireworm or seed corn maggot pressure, consider a fungicide-only treatment for your soybeans. Visit manitobapulse.ca for the full bean report containing timely information to think about as you're getting ready to seed soybean and pea crops this year. At manitobapulse.ca, you can also subscribe to receive the bean report in your mailbox every two weeks throughout the growing season. Thanks, Laura. Laura Schmidt is a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The Bean Report is brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. You can find out more at manitobapulse.ca. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Manitoba Community Food Currency Program may not be able to operate this year due to lack of funding. The program provides community food coupons to participants to spend directly on Manitoba farm products at their local farmer's market. Christy Bainin is Executive Director of Direct Farm Manitoba. We're still hoping on some provincial funding through a grant. 
that's a cost-shared grant, so unless we receive other funding to match that, we may not be able to use that funding. But this year, we are really looking for direct provincial investment. This program in Nova Scotia is a $400,000 program. It's a $2 million program in BC through their farmers market associations, who we work closely with. And we've modeled our program after the highly successful BC program. And their programs have really been able to spread throughout the province and provide a lot of help to Manitobans and a lot of help to producers and farmers by having direct provincial investments. The Manitoba Community Food Currency Program was first introduced back in 2020. And farmers will have a bit of a window when looking at seeding soybeans. Laura Schmidt is with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. It's really comforting to know there that the seeding date is quite flexible in Manitoba. Seeding in the first three weeks of May has been shown to maximize yields, and cold soils will generally delay emergence, so wait to seed until soils there have it warmed up to at least 8 degrees. Delaying seeding for soybeans until June has generally reduced yield by about 15% on average, so if seeding soybeans later than usual, do double-check your variety's days to maturity and that they will mature before your average fall frost date. She says peas should be seeded early if possible, noting they tolerate cold temperatures really well. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program coming up on tomorrow's show. We'll chat with Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.